Opinionated is a roundtable film discussion podcast hosted by Chris Kyes and Rick Fox. Today, we are joined by guest Sam McCandless. Special thanks to James Shively for composing our theme song. Check us out online at www.opinionatedpodcast.com. Chris Kyes. I am a filmmaker from Nashville, Tennessee, and I was born with powers I do not understand. And I'm Rick Fox, aspiring author, and uh, I wish you to kneel before Zod. Hi, I'm Sam McCandless. I am also a filmmaker and a recent transplant in Nashville, uh, moving from New York, and I like to wear swimming goggles as a fashion accessory. And we, we are, are opinionated. opinionated. Alright guys, so what the heck are we watching today? Uh, it's called Midnight Special, right? Yes. Okay. Oh, are you not prepared? Uh, you told me not to. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Everything I've read said that this movie is amazing, but only if you go to it completely blind, which I'm just realizing is, was probably an opportunity for some sort of vision pun there. Well, we're but, not you know, exactly with goggles, in a, you know. Or just we're not listen really to the in a visual medium, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it's a podcast, so there's nothing to see here. <laughs> nothing out of the ordinary. So, oh, uh, so I can take these goggles off. Yes, it's, <laughs> it's weird. You've actually worn them on every single episode we've recorded, and I've thought it was very odd. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, a Midnight Special has an 83% in Rotten Tomatoes. It stars Michael McShannon, Kirsten Dunst, Joel Edgerton, Adam Driver, and it's directed by Jeff Nichols, who I believe you're a pretty big fan of sam yes i greatly enjoy all of his movies so far yeah i i've only seen mud and i really liked mud um but uh i i not i did not expect him to go to the sci-fi route but what what movies has he done I've, I've never yeah i got on the jeff nichols train uh when i saw take shelter which blew me away with its uh just directing acting and the simplicity of the story but how it's completely character driven and just how deep and well-rounded all those characters are cool yeah okay. i mud is very similar to me like it strong direction very strong acting and i'm interested to see what comes from him but so i'm not familiar with this i've never heard his name before as far as i know yeah and I mean, i've never heard of the movies before so are mm-hmm. they like what kind of movies does he do like is this a departure from what the is it only the two that he's done like what's give me a quick crash course no on the he's, guy. Th- he's uh looks like he's directed three movies i've not seen his first one um, i haven't either uh this is definitely seems like a departure uh, okay. in a sense that just the genre can be considered sci-fi but it's still very much in the same vein that seems like it's a very just smaller uh character driven uh movie i mean he's very much an independent artsy filmmaker another okay. reason why i wanted you to go into it blind because now you're here so you're gonna watch well, it okay anyway. here's the thing there's <laughs> there's like there's artsy where you know like 
everything is really, really weird and there's artsy where things just don't quite make a whole lot of sense. Like, is this guy really out there artsy or is this guy like sort of down earth? No, there's nothing abstract about his movies. Okay, so it's yeah. it's not like I'm walking into like Eraserhead or something <laughs> weird. No okay. way, no way. Nothing nothing like that based on my understanding. I mean, okay. Mud wasn't like that. Again, okay. Mud's the only one I've seen. It's very much a character piece type of story, but it's also very like... There's very little money behind it, you know. Right. It's it's very it's a very intimate type of storytelling. Okay. So when he said he was in sci-fi, I was really interested. But okay, cool. do you want to just jump right into it, guys? Sounds yeah, good. sure. Let's go. All right, let's go watch it. Okay. The song you are listening to right now is Can't Erase It by Kylie Odetta. As you can hear, Kylie Odetta has a powerful, dreamy, and passionate voice. She's played in front of 20,000 people and opened up for artists such as Colby Callier, Gavin DeGraw, and Matt Kearney. Kylie Odetta is currently on tour and will be in Nashville in August. So that's pretty soon. It's in just a few weeks. Go to Kylie's website at kylieodetta.com to look up some more information about that tour and see if she's stopping near you. That is spelled K-Y-L-I-E-O-D-E-T-T-A.com. So guys, today's interview is going to be a little different because none of us had seen the movie before, so none of us have a plot synopsis. But we also think that Midnight Special is probably the type of movie where 
it's it's best by just talking about it in an open discussion. So, you know, we're not going to have a spoiler-free section or spoiler-filled section, but just be aware that everyone who likes this movie has said that what they liked about it is that they went into it blind. So we would suggest that you do the same. Let's go ahead and start with just our, I guess, our first impressions like we used to in our earlier reviews. Movie movie opens like 15, 20 minutes into it. We get a feel for what type of movie it is. Like what, what was our vibe going into like our intro act? Like it opens with that cool like newsreel that we thought might have been coming from another room. <laughs> like what, what, what were our thoughts about that? Um, I, for me, I, it was, it was a good opening. It really grabbed me. It really got my attention. Um, made me ask a lot of questions, got me sucked into this situation. And I thought that it worked really well. I think the music really helps draw you into everything where it appears. Yeah. It's, Mm -hmm. it's really, really effective in, in getting the correct emotion out of you. I think I, I, I liked the, the news thing. I think it got you in the right mindset of time period because I get the impression that this is late 2000s or like late 90s or late 90s early 2000s ish I think it's Um, supposed to be modern day because at one point they mentioned 2010 really Mm -hmm. I didn't see a single cell phone and all everything looked really old and all the TVs were like tubes yeah exactly I thought it might have been like an 80s like (laughs) thing because everything was also like little beige like maybe late Hmm. 70s I for the first yeah for the first act I legitimately wasn't sure what time period yeah so was I like the the weird cult thing kind of through pulled into that as well because you don't really think of those being a modern type of deal yeah we haven't Um, heard about one in a long time well at least i haven't well i mean they're they're there it's just you don't you don't hear it it has a very jonestown vibe it has a a thing that you know that that type of behavior is associated i think with a different time period than ours you don't think of a cult being around right now yeah that's i was gonna say too uh just something that uh was throughout the whole movie was just mystery i would say when the movie opens, you you are just asking a lot of questions and they don't really, um, you know, try to answer it quickly at all. You mm-hmm. know, they try to prolong that and keep you. That's what really keeps you interested in the movie. It's just you're still asking questions, you know, I think over halfway the, through. And I think that's the heart of like some really good classic science fiction, because a big part about science is mystery. You know, we don't know things about the world. We don't know things about like, mm-hmm. you know. There, there are modern mysteries like what the heck is dark matter? We still kind of don't know. Um, and I think that science-based storytelling, science fiction or science fantasy, it sort of needs a little bit of that somewhere, you know? Yeah. It needs like a a journey for the audience to sort of embrace the scientific method themselves and to be like, okay, what's this? You know, maybe it's this. Oh, that wasn't true. This is true. Okay, now how are we going to go forward with that knowledge? And the first act of this movie, I feel like, plays into that pretty well i'd agree um i think what's interesting is that they do a good job of using the um the main characters uh was alton and you know alton's the kid alton's Uh, the kid lucas Lucas is is the the cop cop. and then what's the dad's name roy 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 okay lucas roy and alton what their story is doing is an interesting counterpoint to the um to the what's going on with the investigation because um, what I liked in the earlier part is that what would happen is you would kind of get the same set with Alton and, and them, and then we'd move over to the other characters to get some information that would kind of give you a little more light on what's going on. So at the beginning, we're, you know, we see these guys drive off. We see that there's a kid that's been kidnapped, but we don't know anything about what's going on. So these guys could be like guys that kidnapped a kid. All kinds of things could be going on. But then we immediately move into the FBI investigation where you get a little bit of information about, okay, there's something about this kid that these people kind of worship and that's why he was taken for some reason it has something to do with that so they do a good job of 
getting you to ask the question and then giving you a little bit of information when they jump over to the other side of the story. And I, I thought that worked really well. I thought then the first going act, back, they uh, drop something to make you ask another question. Exactly. Something yeah. new pops up and you're like, oh, okay. And then they <laughs> kind of go back. Oh, he's forward. got laser beam eyes. Okay, yeah. cool. Whatever. <laughs> I also really liked um, how Lucas acts as this uh, audience surrogate character. Um, oh, he kind of does. Yeah. You know, he's been there, you know, just he's very new to, uh, to the whole situation, to the whole situation. Yeah. And I liked how it never felt forced whenever he was bringing things up that he didn't understand. Yeah. A lot of times we will do that and they do it just for exposition, just as you know, he, that character's there just for, uh, explanation right. of the story. And, plot. and I felt, it felt so very natural every that. time, um, like new information was dropped from him at like asking a question. I did feel like whenever I had a question, Lucas asked that question. Yeah. Like, well, maybe not every time, but early very on, often very much in yeah. the early part. Yeah. First act, I generally have very few problems with. I thought mm-hmm. it was very well staged. First act being basically right up until they hit up that first, well, maybe the intro, the that first house, mm-hmm. you know, where they, they spend the night and he wakes up the following morning shooting laser beam eyes into... Lanky Stevie Buscemi knockoff character. El, um, Eldred? El, Elmer? Something El, like that? Elver, it was a very old person name. It, it was. was a very culty yeah. name. Like, <laughs> culty um, name. But uh, up until then, I was like, and nothing really changed after that point, but I just wanted to identify that. I felt like that intro was just pretty masterful in terms of storytelling because there it didn't feel like there was a lot of exposition but i was getting a lot of exposition that felt very natural and yeah that was something right. really cool about this movie there was a point in this movie where i feel like the opposite sort of starts to happen a little bit and we'll get yeah. there eventually <laughs> yeah it does so at this point you know we we we're not going to go over every detail because we don't have a written out plot synopsis in front of us <laughs> sort of stream of consciousness but uh you know we're at that house and we learn a little more about the dynamic and where these characters have come from. Roy, he used to be in that cult. Did anyone catch why Elvermage, like El- why Elden. he? I looked it up. It's Elden. He yeah. left the cult and became like a a pit stop for them to show up. Like there were a couple little details. I was like, okay, did they plan this like a long time ago? And like they had people I on think the he's outside. A, I under, if, from what I'm looking at uh, Wikipedia, he's a former member of the mm-hmm. cult, so he has left it at some point. Right. So that, but they just sort of knew they could hit him up. I guess is yeah. Yeah, maybe they had planned on taking. The, well, I mean, it's clear that the guy is still very interested in what's going on with Alton from the way that he interacts with the kids. So they yeah. could have used that as a as a bargaining chip of like, hey, we'll. You know, this kid needs your help. Why don't you help us out? And I think that's probably how it went down. And then we get to the first scene where I'm just like, okay, I am very interested when the whole house starts shaking. And at first I thought, okay, maybe this is just in California or something. (laughs) And then you see the freaking kid is shooting laser beam eyes in his face and he's causing the house to split apart. I was like, oh man, what is happening? I love, this is a this is an explosive mystery because it's actually causing carnage. Yeah, I think uh, up to that point, they don't really show if he actually has any type of powers at all, right? Is that kind of the, the, it's the first time of, where, like, you know, you actually see, like, what he's capable of? I think it's implied that he's more than weird. Like, yeah. He, he's not just wearing goggles because he's weird. He's wearing goggles because there is something weird about what... It's the, he is. It's the way know. that they keep being very, very um, uh, careful to make sure that he's not exposed to light. Yeah. Um, the the like with the cardboard on the windows, making sure that you know there's no windows in this room, or mm-hmm. that they're boarded up. Like, I think that's what sells me in those early moments on 
this kid being more than normal. Like there, there's definitely something, there's a reason they're going to all of this, uh, this trouble because, you know, if there's a cult involved, there's the instinct to go, okay, well, they're just crazy and there's nothing abnormal about this kid. They're just nuts, but that's clearly not the case or at least not the impression I'm given early on. Yeah. It was definitely clear that like there was something bigger than what it seems to be on the surface. And that scene was definitely how that got cemented. And I was just hooked when I saw all that carnage, especially coming out of mud because mud, mud is a really interesting comparison to this movie for me because mud, it was very strong in like characters and heart and kind of light in set piece moments. You know, like whenever they'd have an action scene, it sort of feels like, okay, yeah, you wanted a a climactic moment, so you made that person shoot them, but it wasn't staged very well. Mm -hmm. Whereas the script and the characters are really awesome in Mud. Mm -hmm. Um, This movie, in a lot of ways, it's kind of the opposite. Like a sort of, like the action scenes and the set piece moments were very bombastic, like especially coming out of that previous film. And I loved that. I thought I was very surprised to see that from Jeff Nichols. But at the same time, I sort of, you know, there were a couple moments where there was a lot of heart and was a lot of character. And I sort of wish there was a little more of that because that's what was so good about my previous experience with this director. Uh, Sam, do you agree having seen more? Yes, yes, very much so. I still felt like, uh, you know, those big set pieces, action scenes were, uh, you know, still like few and far between. So it's not like they were, you know, pushing that you know, instead of the story and the the character development. And yeah. And I didn't mean that in a poor way, but they yeah. were much better. Like they oh, I see were more in quantity and better mm-hmm. in quality. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, in just this the, movie then in mud, the what in this movie, then in this there movie, movie in mud, in mud, there were very few of those moments. Okay. And even when they were happening, they weren't very compelling to watch. Gotcha. They, it was, you know, just not very well staged in this movie. All those moments, those big moments where you can tell, okay, this is where they got more money. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. And this can, is where they put yeah. the budget. They used it wisely yeah. because all those moments work. And this is the first one, the one that we're talking about right now, to me, where the house yeah. is like splitting yeah. apart. Right, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that, I think that, that on, well, for me, that was definitely the part where I was most engaged. I had the most questions and I felt like I was getting the most information uh, to lead me further down the path that he wanted me to go at that point. Right, that's definitely what keeps you like interested after that point. Is now you're saying, okay, now I really want to see right. like exactly everything that's, you know, the reason behind all this. Exactly. I mean, like it would have been easy to have him do something destructive, like messing up the house with his powers. Um, and that, you know, alone would be like, okay, this kid is obviously powerful. But what's really interesting to me is that the guy that he's, uh, that they're staying with, Eldon, that he seems to be like downloading some kind of information right, into him, yeah. something like that. Something's going on between them <laughs> that this guy clearly wanted on some level. And that's interesting to me because it makes me ask more questions than if Alton's power was just clearly destructive and nothing right, else. Right, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. If anything, the destruction seems like a uh, an afterthought or an accident to what he's doing, and that's that's even more interesting. Yeah, I, I completely agree. So we go from there. What happens next? Um, what happens next is they kind of give us a little more information from the um, FBI side. Oh, yeah, uh, they, that's right, we, and we get, Adam Driver's character. Yeah, he starts interviewing people, and we get, you know, uh, several people getting questioned about what's going on, and we get a little more information about what we had just seen happen, which I think is a really good touch. It's another one of those give-and-take moments that I think um, the counterplay between the two kind of stories happening at once, I think that's where it works best. I, I sort of felt the opposite. I sort of felt like that I could have done without a sympathetic character in the FBI altogether. 
Well, that's not specifically what I'm talking about. I, oh, I, I just mean where we're seeing, we see this crazy thing happen and then we immediately cut to people talking about that crazy thing happening before. Oh, I, I see, think that I see what really you're well. saying. Okay. Um, the, the FBI thing, I kind of agree. I feel like, especially given what happens with him by the end of the movie, I feel like, uh, he feels a little ancillary. Like he just yeah, doesn't, he doesn't really, matter. Uh, he doesn't add a lot of weight. It's cool to see. Because on the other hand, it is kind of tropey to have the FBI be these dumb, bumbling, like, you know, inner, like government bureaucrats. And then, yeah. and then the data analyst is the one, you know, who's not, is the one who's sympathetic. Yeah. Like he's not well, he's the same also, type of military type, you know, yeah. trained federal agent. He's also NSA, though, which I feel like was an interesting choice because of all those, you know, organizations that are involved, the NSA is probably the one that's considered most nefarious, at least right now, because they're trying to listen and hear everything we say. Yeah, Hi, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> think, they, um, think they got, like, funding yeah, from maybe. the NSA? Like, hey, if you make us look good, we'll give you an extra $100,000. <laughs> maybe. I'm not sure. Um, you but, can add uh, that third uh, set piece, third action sequence. Jeff, we really need some <laughs> positive press. <laughs> So, um, hire someone who's cool right now. Uh, someone from Star Wars, whoever the <laughs> nicest character from Star Wars is. <laughs> um, but uh, get the hero, you know, the guy in all the black. We, we <laughs> like him, right? He's he's the one we're supposed to be rooting for. He's got the red saber, which yeah. I I love that phrase. If you could just put that in there. <laughs> um, so, like, I love Adam Driver. I love his performance, but yeah, I, I agree. I just don't really think he's needed to be here. To me, the most interesting part of the movie was Roy and Alton and Lucas traveling around the country trying to get him to wherever he needs to go and learning about Alton from an observer's perspective. Right. You know, observing what's happening around him and trying to figure out for myself what his deal is. And right. sort of the more information I was force fed to me and the more the less time I spent directly with them, the less I enjoyed the movie. And well, I, I feel like that that's a strike against it in a lot of ways. But I like also what you're saying that we're seeing that there are ramifications outside of like their immediate sphere of influence. Like right. they go to a Things gas station. Things are going on outside of Yeah, the like personal. they go to a gas station, like they cause a big thing to happen there. But it's not just like people at that gas station, like, oh, that was inconvenient. It's the FBI, the government is literally involved and they're involved on an intimate level where they're committing a lot of resources right. to try to locate this kid and make that happen. I guess I just didn't need, I, I don't. Well, for, here's mm, the thing. I think I that really point right there, to, I think at the gas station is the last time we get useful or interesting information, at least for me, because everything after that just starts to become this much more nebulous okay, this thing's happening for reasons that aren't clear and he's getting sick for some reason that isn't clear. And but before uh, like we get all this there, kind of thing. Yeah, well, let's talk about the gas station, though. But what I'm saying is that I think that's the last time that we... What, the gas station is amazing. I love that scene. That it's was a really awesome. Good like, um, <laughs> that was so well-paced and directed. Yeah, it, you really get led into what's going down there. And it's, it's genuinely scary, and it's even scarier when you find out that it happened on purpose. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I didn't, for a second, I thought, you know, the government might have been bombing this gas station. I was like, this is weird. And that's also <laughs> not how bombs work. But that also made me more interested because I was like, these pieces are not fitting together the way I think they should be. And that's making me, in a way, nervous, but also more intrigued. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, man, I was fearful. Like, I was like, someone might die here. Like, they, their car might get blown up. They might get stranded. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of conflict that is rising in that moment. And it's just well-paced altogether. And Very much so. I think that, would we all, it seems like we're all sort of in agreement that you haven't spoken up yet, Sam. This is my favorite set piece. Oh, the yeah. gas station. Um, Definitely. 
Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of like at least the bombastic moments, I feel like the music crescendoing and the slow reveal of the multiple, you know, pieces from the satellite falling down. And that I thought alone was really cool because it seems to fit all the powers he's had previously. He's intercepting radio waves. He's doing something with the atmosphere Mm -hmm. was my original impression. And that was the climax of that you know, presumption. It's like, okay, he has too much control of all the things we use to see. And that is a scary idea. Like that would be a good weapon for the FBI to take advantage Mm of. Right. And I like that it's not just a random thing that happens. It's that someone was watching him and he decided, okay, that's not going to be cool. I'm going to take, I have to do, I have to do something about that. Yeah. That, that was very interesting to me because it, 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 one of the things that I think does work really well about this movie is the power dynamics going on because you have the adults who know what they're trying to do and you feel like automatically, okay, they're in charge of this kid. They're the ones in charge. They're the ones with all the power, but that's not true. Alton actually has a lot of sway on what's going on and a lot of input on what's going on because he has this ability to know when someone is, you know, tracking him by radio or watching him with a, with a drone or satellite, that kind of thing. Right. He's pretty much controlling the journey. They're just like taking care of his well being. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I think very appropriate given that you know he's in a lot of ways it's tempting to think of him as omnipotent but he's not he's still just a fragile kid yeah and he could easily be off by a bullet to the head you know right, and yeah. he needs parents to protect him and watch out for him and care for him he's getting sick you know yeah and i think this movie balances like that dynamic really well because it could have been really easy to have just been like you know oh this is the the male lady mormont walking mm-hmm. around you know bossing the adults because he's so powerful yeah and that just would have been really and, and for a little bit i was afraid we we're gonna go there but i think they balance them having an actual relationship where they need each other very well yeah well at that point too I, he doesn't even know what his power what, what's going oh, yeah, on with himself like, so true. up to this point i would agree with that i think that later i will disagree with that but yeah. i think <laughs> at this at this point in the movie when we get to the gas station and the, the fallout from that haha <laughs> Uh, I, I definitely agree. I think that the that's the most interesting point of the movie. Right. Um, and we go from the gas station to meeting the mother, right? Yeah. Okay. And the mother's uh, Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. And she, for, I had to look at my paper to double check. I was like, <laughs> oh. is that Kirsten Dunst? And like, yeah, it, it was. And uh, t- something I like about how Jeff Nichols seems to really like using the same actors, but I always have like a split take where I'm like, is that them? And it's like, yeah, it is them because yeah. they're not, you know, they're they're not typecasted in these movies. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that. I like that. I can still be surprised by some of these performances. And Kirsten Dunst is the mother and the reveal that Roy is the actual father, I thought was a really nice touch as well. That wasn't very overhanded. Um, I mean, right? You're looking at me weird. I, Roy's I the dad. I assumed he was the dad from the beginning. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I thought he just stole him. I thought oh. he was a kid. Oh, really? Yeah, because the news the news thing in the beginning was like he's been kidnapped. Uh, he's been kidnapped by the man Roy Blank. I mean, the, the, the way that they're talking about him constantly, though, for me, is what so like the I, I should rephrase that the way that the um, that Alton interacts with him sold me on their relationship as father and son very quickly. You don't you're not as you know, con- I thought it might have been a Stockholm syndrome thing. Uh, for the first 20 minutes. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I didn't get the impression that they'd been together long enough for something like that to, to have happened. I didn't know. I didn't yeah. really have enough information. Uh, it wasn't until the room where they were, where uh, he and uh, Kirsten were holding hands and I was like, oh, okay, maybe he's the actual dad. <laughs> see, see, I was under a very different perspective. I was thinking that maybe Kirsten Dunst was just the woman that was taking, like with him, because what I thought for the first half of this movie was that he was like some kind of half alien kid. Um, because I knew it was sci-fi and you know, he's got these weird abilities. So I thought, okay, maybe he's some sort of alien hybrid human thing. I don't know. 
Um, you're looking at me like I'm crazy. No, but, no, uh, <laughs> no, not at all. Actually, it, it might the, be true. The, we the don't main, really know. <laughs> the main reason for me was that um, they kept doing the birth mother, the birth father. Yeah. Like that was what was throwing me off is because I was thinking, okay, that must mean that he's got some kind of surrogate thing or they wouldn't bother, be, bother to throw that birth word in there. Um, but at the end of the movie, it just turned out like, no, it was just, they were, that was his dad and that was his mom. Well, I think the implication is that, well, I mean, he's kind of like a trans-dimensional character, yeah. right? The so kid, right? I feel like, yeah, the kid. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like if he was just influenced by his birth mother and birth father, what's his connection to the other dimension? So exactly. my, my assumption, <laughs> that's why I'm angry at this movie right now. <laughs> well, my assumption is that like there was more involved there and we just don't get those details cause they're not needed, but I disagree entirely. Okay. <laughs> they're well. very needed. There's also, uh, the like head of that cult had adopted him. Right. Oh yeah. So they're, maybe they're trying to differentiate between him them. between yeah. in the, Roy, because the birth father, talk. but also that they just mentioned that once he was adopted, so there's you don't there would be no confusion as right. to he's yeah. the actual father or not. Yeah, yeah, they do have. Um, I think that they do mention something about him having to watch someone else raise his kid. Yeah, like, and I think that's that might be what 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 was going on there. It's just a less interesting idea to me at the end of the day. Well, we can get to when that happens sure. and dissect that a little more as we go forward. Uh, so, like, they uh, the next scene I think is when we learned that Lucas is a state trooper sort of offhandedly. And I thought that was, isn't that next? Oh, when they're fixing the truck. Uh And, uh, I thought that was a really nice callback to earlier in the movie. Yeah. We didn't really talk about the scene with the crash, but yeah, uh, the first real roadblock in their journey. Yeah. When, uh, they, Lucas has to shoot that uh, state trooper. I, I'm, did you guys figure out why that woman was just sitting in the road though? Like her car was in the road? No. See, I thought it was a trap at first. Yeah. That's what I thought. They I, thought they just, I thought he just ran in. No. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, she why was, was she in the middle, in, of, the in the middle of the road for some reason? And then... I think in the same way <laughs> I occasionally am driving and people are just doing stupid <laughs> things on the road. I thought that's what was happening. It was just, I mean, they were in the road. Be, but I, I, I needed... I needed more information on why that happened because at this point it just seems like, okay, the script says we need to figure out, we need him to shoot a police officer now so we can have this reveal later that he's also a state trooper. But, uh, uh there's a woman in the middle yeah. of the road passed it, out yeah, for the, some reason. The way they presented it, like she, the there's a car in the middle of the road. It's not moving. It's not moving. He goes to, uh, the truck hits it. He goes to check. And then immediately you see the lights from the cop come around. You're thinking, oh, this is all mm. set Exactly. Up. There's just way too many things going yeah. on there for Here, it to be coincidence. But it clearly thing. is from the what we see. So Well, it may not. It's not clearly because we're sort of hashing out. Do you think that might be a trap? And uh, I, it could be. I don't know. It can't. No, it can't be a trap because nothing there, once we actually see what happens, indicates that it's actually a trap because there's no one intentionally like finding them. There's the, the, the only way that. But this is be before the, the FBI is involved, right? No, they're involved. They're, this is when they've uh, they've the already big... trapped they've already trapped that cult and kind of yeah. pulled them out of there. So they've been presented ranch. as the the people chasing. But the, well, if you really the state trooper, you know, doesn't know that it's them when when he drives up to them, he just because there's that clear moment of you know he's coming in to help, and then he sees the car that has been on the radio, you know, that they picked up. If you really want to nitpick it, I think the way you could argue it though is that. The FBI was focused on getting more information from the cult, but they were cooperating with the state troopers to try to track down the kid and his kidnapper. So they were spread out looking for the car and they had set up some stops to try to 
trap them. But that, but that was but, not a, a setup. It can't have been a setup. <laughs> because you're saying it can't have been a setup. But nope. there's ways to explain it that are not awesome, but it's, it's totally viable. It, I think. it is not viable in the way that they do it. Because it's specifically because the trooper doesn't know that it's them when they're stopped. Like they stop to get out of the way of this car, another car comes and hits okay. it. Yeah, and then that's the fair. trooper comes up and he doesn't realize it's them until like there's that clear moment of, oh crap, and he goes to call and that's when the gun, guns come out. And I think that part is actually extremely well done and really interesting. Yeah. Oh, it's, the staging of it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's just I, when you when I step back now and I look at it, I the the in, the inciting moment of the car, you know, being there is what throws me completely. On a scale of this is totally normal and I don't know why the heck we're talking about it to the T-Rex <laughs> in Jurassic Park literally flying over a cliff. <laughs> I think this is like a, a a three or a four. It just it, I can see why it might bother some people who want to look at those details, but to me, it felt like a perfectly natural, normal thing because that stuff happens when I'm driving all the time. It so. it did at the time, but going like as I'm going back and realizing how little information I'm actually given throughout the movie, it's the the first moment of okay, what was that? Oh, we're not going to talk about that. Okay, we'll just move. It on, wasn't I guess. completely unrealistic, but it felt a little forced. Yeah, right. I didn't find it forced at all personally in, so in i don't really moment, have anything else to in add in the moment i would say i i didn't feel it was forced right, either. Yeah. but it's it's now that i'm looking back at the movie kind of trying to take a critical eye to it it feels forced right so in that moment uh lucas shoots a state trooper and then later when he's repairing the truck we learn that he is a state trooper and that's something i really like about this type of storytelling where it's not like you know uh you get a flash of, a, of an old badge in the car that he's driving or anything you know it's it comes out naturally in a conversation where it doesn't feel like he's trying to reveal that information to the character he's talking to. You know, he's Kirsten Dunst doesn't know he shot a state trooper earlier. Yeah. It's just something naturally that makes sense for him to explain to her mm-hmm. in the nature of their conversation. Definitely. But to us, it has a whole new meaning and it gives us a lot more insight into who he is and where he's come yeah. from. And I love little moments like that, even though they don't really matter, you know, on, on a huge, on a big scheme of things, you know, in terms of, the set pieces and how they're lining up, it really does change how engaged I am with the characters. Yeah. And yeah. Lucas became one of my favorites once that happened. Yeah, I was they, really they also didn't try to present it as a big moment or reveal. He's like walking back to the van and he just kind of throws it off offhandedly, like yeah. with his back turned. So like they don't try to, you know, have him stand up pushing. I used to be a state trooper. You know, it's just kind of like this. <laughs> he's not looking, pressing <laughs> the car. Like he's yeah. not like staring at the the picture on the TV right, of yeah. the guy that he shot. Like I was a state trooper too. <laughs> Yeah, like it it was very natural. And that's something that I took away from Mud. And probably, I mean, you might agree as other movies as well, Sam, is that he's just a very natural sort of humanistic type of director in terms of all of his scenes. And the more scenes we get of that in both of these movies that I've seen, the more I've enjoyed the experience. And this is sort of like the first big one to me. Uh, and like I a really lot of it's like, that. I want to know what happens to this character. No, I want to know what happens in this movie. Right. Like yes. Over on the general plot. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so then we go from there to he starts getting sick while they're driving, I believe. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm getting the impression that using his powers or whatever they are is somehow hurting him. Yeah, like draining yeah. him. Yeah. And this is sort of the first big detail that I started getting confused on because I didn't really follow. Like I had to keep thinking back like, oh, yeah, like they're keeping him out of the sun because mm-hmm. it was making his eyes freak out and people were getting hurt and property damage was happening. But in the moments I kept going like, OK, what, what, what are they? It didn't feel like the pieces lined up very naturally with like their conflict. I agree. I guess yeah. it, it, I found myself a lot of times trying to remember, okay, yeah, this is why this is happening. Right. Why is he wearing goggles? Oh, oh yeah. This, that's why he's wearing goggles. Like when, it, when, well, when the, the, 
the thing that really threw me off is when, you know, he does eventually, you know, get in the sun and see the dawn, that, that whole thing, it instantly heals him. And so that just completely threw me for a loop because if that was what was going to happen, why were they bothering to keep him out of the sunlight for so oh, long? Well, that, that wasn't it for me because the reason why they're keeping him out of the sunlight is because they had to wait through like the earthquakes and the light beams and yeah. stuff. And it's sort of like if your skin is burning, your first instinct is to remove it from the oven. Right. I feel like that was their response. No one had ever left him in the sun for a long period of time before, right. even several seconds. So I, I kind of bought that. But what I didn't buy is later, I was like, oh, he's healed. Okay, cool. Then he started explaining how he comes yeah, from another world. It, it and I was like, okay. Entirely and gave him entirely, he became an entirely different character at that moment. Yeah. Like everything changed there. I feel like that's probably your biggest. That, I, that's but, the moment where the movie started to fall apart for yeah. me, in all honesty. Honestly, I mean, that is definitely a huge, like, sore thumb for me. It's like, <laughs> well, oh, gonna, man, I did not like this bit at all. In order to explain. This part of it, I'm going to kind of give away the ending, but I feel like he's kind of trapped in this human body. So maybe he's eight years old. So maybe he just hasn't developed enough to be able to get to that point where he can control. Oh, right. Like, no, you know, I, I guess so. Then waiting until now to get to the sunlight isn't that big of a deal for me because maybe he just couldn't physically handle it until oh, this point in right. his like human body. That yeah. makes sense. I, I see where you're going that. now. But, but where totally, all the info and all that comes from and how he just changes completely, that's, a, yeah, I felt a little... I'm totally fine with uh, how he got healed. And the, even the fact that it healed him, I'm like, oh, like, that, you know, that, that sort of makes sense. Like, he was getting sick because he needed some vitamin D. <laughs> and uh, then he got some and now he's better. See, and yeah, I, the I think the thing is that he was, his stuff was, like, it's clear that he, using his powers is draining him. So I think that what happened is that the sunlight somehow recharged him and fully charged him. Yeah, I think that's what it is, too. Okay. But either way, you know, what did it for me is just, I feel like the explanation of what he is and what he's doing and what his really real mission bad. is, it's just hokey. It's like, hokey it's, and it doesn't make any sense. I think it makes sense. I just don't like it i just and think it's kind of dumb like <laughs> i thought it was pretty early on to do that as well yeah i honestly had they waited till the very end and just kind of dumped it on us right there i would i would have been I a little bit like better it. with it yeah well, i would not have i wouldn't have, i wouldn't have i wouldn't have had an extra like 45 minutes to process everything right and kind of look think, as it's developing. i think that's the problem is that up to this point we keep getting uh weird thing and reveal of what that mm -hmm. weird thing is and then weird thing again new weird thing yeah. and, and that kind of thing and at this point the, that stops we just suddenly have alton who is the god child who can do everything and anything and it, fixes right, every yeah, problem exactly. with no trouble and so we're suddenly without a real antagonist to the movie and mm -hmm. you know it's just I think for me, the up to that point, there was a lot of mystery going on. And at this point, the mystery for me stopped. That yes, was no longer interested yeah. in things. I completely agree. I, once I learned that he's this trans, once he said, like, there's a world. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, uh, done. Yeah. <laughs> I'm there's not a world interested on anymore. top of this one. Uh, what is, okay, so what I about it? I would have loved for, them, for him to just been like, all right, that worked. Okay, so what do we do now? I he, guess just keep moving. I don't have any other answers. I, I just mean, knew I needed sunlight for some reason. Like, I, I thought it would be much better. I think Not he great, should have become our new um, our new information giver. Because up to this point, the the FBI has kind of been where we're getting our information. Uh, we're, we're seeing things happen here, but we're, we're getting the information from them. I think what should have happened is we should have kind of flipped to where we were following um, FBI NSA dude 
and we're seeing the effects of what this kid is doing and then the kid can kind of be the reverse side and explain a little bit of that like give you another little hint to, to bring you forward and now we're kind of driving with um adam driver's character to be like okay let's figure out the next thing so we can figure out more about this kid i think that might have worked better yeah i, I agree i think it would have been better to have just treated the kid because at, at this point the kid he's both a character but he's also a tool and he's accomplishing something you know it's it's not like our main characters know how to use this tool, but right. that's the fun part is yeah. that we're sort of seeing, okay, you know, it's, it's got a long handle. Maybe it's a wrench. Maybe it's a hammer. It's like, oh, you know, it's it's built in such a way so that it spins as you pull it. It's a socket wrench, you know. <laughs> Having that journey where we figure out what type of tool he is, I feel like would have been a much more enjoyable experience going into the second half of the movie and getting that reveal mm -hmm. during the climax, which is traditional plot structure, I feel like. You yeah, know, right. you have questions, you get them all answered at a point where it's most crucial to get your answers. Yeah. And that would have been more effective, even if it was still something cheesy, you know, it, it could have at least felt more, I, I would have been more invested into learning about what right. it was and I, think, I would have liked it more. I think the other important thing that we lost at that point in the movie was that he stopped being a kid. Up yes. to that point, he was very much a child. Mm -hmm. You you felt like he was a child. You understood where he was coming from. He he felt like an eight-year-old kid in a, in a rough situation, but who's handling it well. And that's interesting to see. But after this, he doesn't feel that way anymore. He doesn't. He feels like a plot device rather than a character. Uh, yeah. I, I agree, actually. It's, it's just not nearly as effective as right. the first half and of the movie. From the beginning, they're saying, what's the significance with this date? Where are they going? And the whole time you're thinking, yeah, like mm -hmm. what's going to happen on the state in this area? And then they kind of tell you, you know, it's kind of crazy with that, that, that reveal. Right. And then it's just in like, oh, OK, well, now we know exactly kind of what's going to happen. They tell you when do they tell you? Well, no, it's like I always well, like I need to, like, get back to my world. Oh, yeah. yeah like yeah. that's all it I is, gotcha, you yeah. know. Yeah. Whereas before they think, is it actually the end of days? Like, is something right. going to happen? Is there going to be a big nuclear explosion or like what's going to happen? Is he going right. to blow up? Like, you know. I like how that one guy said, like, on this day, we will be saved. Yeah. And um, it matters to me because I believe it. And what's crazy is that, in a way, this cult is kind of right. Like, yeah. if they were with him on that day where he needed to be, they would have had an actual, not crazy, actual revelation. And that, that's kind of wild to think about because it's very easy to play off, you know, a cult-based character in a movie like this as just being purely, like, they're Insane. wild, they're crazy, they're the antagonists, you know, they're right. they're here to create problems because that's kind of how they are in the real world. But in, it's cool that this movie sort of takes that angle and says, you know, this idea is so wild, they would seem like a cult, but really they kind of have it more together than the FBI does or right. even the parents of this kid probably. Yeah, I, I agree with that, but my, my issue with that is that the way that the end of the movie plays out um, they wouldn't have like the, the one person is saying like judgment is coming and the other person is saying we'll be saved. Well, no, you'll just get to see some weird architecture and then that's it. You're done. Now, did I was wondering, say? did they forget? Did they have their like memories erased? I don't think so. What do you mean? Oh, you mean the rest of the world? Yeah, because uh, really Lucas was explaining much. it and they both and the guy interviewing him seemed like he was just making up all this stuff and crazy and then when Adam Drives come right. character comes in he acts like he's just introducing himself for the first time so you don't know if he's kind of playing that up I think or if this if happened in real life or anything that happened if this happened in real life I think that like all world government would like shut down because it's like what the heck just happened 
this is crazy. I mean, you saw like, the the radius of yeah, that. It was enormous. It was the entire American Southeast. Yes. So, Everywhere like Jeff Nichols of, movies take place. Seen that. <laughs> Hence, this establishment of all Jeff Nichols films take See, place in the same universe. <laughs> See, the thing for me is that I don't think it would have had, I mean, it would have had obviously a massive effect, but the thing is that nothing happens, really. It's not like those those things are there for long. Mm-hmm. But they, it's like they an, should. Right. Yeah. It, it probably should have some level of effect, but it's not going to be like, uh, you know, Russia bombs us or, you know, the world changes on a certain level. Like, really, it's just a bunch of people saw something weird. And, you know, that's more than something weird, man. Well, it's it's I, but pretty crazy. It is pretty crazy. I'm not saying it isn't. But like you most people aren't going to have any idea what that is. They're just going to look up and go like, oh, there's a weird building there for some reason and then two minutes later oh it's not there anymore that was weird did anyone get a picture of that with their phone <laughs> I think, and i think that's just going to be the extent of it like oh no way the, I, don't, I don't i don't see it being all. world changing i don't i think we don't see a world changing because the world didn't change in the movie but to me that was played off both in the story and in just on the face of it what's happening as something that should have been a revelation to the world and i think that they were close to like using that to like making a point in the movie but maybe it got cut or something like this world on top of another world is like another reality where yeah. like we handle things differently Just pretty and much that, like an alternate dimension well you know in science fiction in classic science fiction what the entire story is about going into the climax is establishing a certain worldview like uh what is it the day the earth stood still is about an alien visiting earth and eventually saying hey listen the reason why I came here is because I'm trying to tell you guys that you are getting too big for your heads. You've developed nuclear weapons. You've developed them so you can bomb each other on the same planet when you're not each other's enemies. You're just making each other your enemies. And if you keep developing weapons at the scale, eventually one of you is going to control the whole world and you're still going to want someone to use these weapons against. And the rest of the galaxy does not like you for <laughs> it. And we will destroy you before we let that happen. And then he leaves. The movie's an allegory for the dangers of the Cold War. That's the point of the movie. At the end of the day, this movie doesn't seem to really have a point to it, but it was so close to at least trying to do something. And I would have rather have seen some sort of message or point that's not preachy because that's worse than not having a message at all, something that feels really forced and not natural, but... I just feel like they wanted to say something, but then backed out last second and did not have anything. No ramifications, no, no revelations, nothing important. I think if what, I think the way to have done that with the story that they told would have been to, you know, have all these petty, weird concerns going on throughout the movie. And at the end of the movie, we see, oh, the world's a lot bigger than you think it is. Your perspective needs to expand. You need to realize that these little things don't matter in the face of this larger reality. Yeah. And if the kid is constant, it was the one kind of, you know, solving those problems and kind of trying to show that that if you have this bigger perspective these things don't matter as much you don't need to go to the lengths that people are i think that could have worked with what you're saying but yeah you're right at the end of the movie there's just this thing happens and okay <laughs> yeah, pretty much yeah so we're probably all sort of on the same you know fence like first half amazing second half yeah, sort of a <laughs> sort of a fart <laughs> i mean it wasn't i wouldn't say that it was awful but i would say that like mm, 
I, I, I don't really know. It just, it, yeah, it just lost a lot of steam second half going Definitely. Um, having said that, one of my favorite scenes is in the second half, and it's when Michael McShannon is uh, having... Michael Shannon. Michael... Michael Shannon. He's not Irish, no? Michael, <laughs> Michael McShannon. I can't, I'm not even going to try, man. I have an awful at accents. Um, he and uh, the kid, whose name I don't know as an actor, uh, they're having that moment where he's like, I like worrying about you. Mm-hmm. That's such a well-written it and was tender a, yeah. moment. Like, I loved that. And that's another example of one of those human moments that I feel like Jeff Nichols does really well right. that I think this movie just could have used a little more of because the ones that are there are solid. Mm-hmm. And yeah. this, to me, was my favorite one. It was definitely the written really well and acted and just very simple but effective. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. I did dig- try to go over the top with like him explaining how much, you know, being a father means and all that. I I feel like I would have liked a little more, like that could have been a good moment to show that the kid is still human, but I didn't feel like I got that there. I feel like I got a lot from Michael Shannon's side, but I didn't get much in return from the kid. I think that's what makes it so interesting though, because it's very, you know, it still works in a lot of other movies where like, you know, you have like the returned, you know, like, yeah, I'm on the same level as you in this moment. I love you too, dad. I love you too, son. You know, goofy movie type of moments. <laughs> but it makes it a little more interesting and compelling to me that um, Roy is having this moment. And it's in the way, in a way being reciprocated by the kid, but not in a way that you would expect, which sort of adds, takes him to a different level. Where he's like, you don't have to worry about me anymore. And he's like, doesn't matter. I like worrying about you. And then he just repeats himself. You don't have to worry about me anymore. I it just didn't for me. It 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 was it was as though he was saying, "I love you, plot device." And it just like it, there was no nothing. Again, the humanity was gone from the kid, and so I had one really really well done, really interesting character, and then one character who had been interesting that had just fallen flat. Yeah, and so it, that's why it didn't work as well for me. So let's go ahead now that we've covered pretty much the whole movie and go into favorite parts and least favorite parts and then give our rating. Uh, Rick, you seem to already have an idea and then I can go and Sam can close us out as the Jeff Nichols fan. Okay, that sounds good. I... uh I really liked the first half of this movie. I think that's clear. It, it was really well done. It was really well paced. Things were happening. Things were interesting me. They were pulling me forward. And then after that gas station scene, man, it just ground to a halt. Like, I, I my interest, I really wanted to be interested. But in you like the gas station scene. so No, no, the gas station scene is great. That's, so it's more like after the reveal that it ground to a halt. Uh, whatever scene comes after the gas station scene. <laughs> um, that's that's when things just stopped being as interesting to me. This movie has a really solid first half, but it, it, it reminds me of reading a Stephen King book. And it's, you know, it, with, with Stephen King, what he continuously does is he writes a really, really great, uh, he has a great idea and he writes that idea and then at some point he realizes that he has no idea how to end this story and he just kind of is like, um... And then the power of friendship killed the monster. Yay. <laughs> Stuff happens. We end. And that's sort of how this felt to me is that we we had this really great opening. We had this, this really cool idea of, you know, this this cost, uh, this um, cult having had something very real to, to pin their worship on. And the, these guys that are kind of exiles from that cult, you know, making a run for it with the kid. That That is a great idea. Um, and it, it really is incredibly compelling throughout the first half of this movie. And the music just does an amazing job of, of, of bringing those emotions, uh, out of you. But yeah, at that point of the movie, like things grind to a halt, the information stops, the, the information you get stops being as interesting. It, 
it's a really a shame because um, I I would much rather have a weak beginning and a strong ending to a movie than a strong beginning and a weak ending. Um, so uh, my my favorite scene in the movie is definitely the the gas station scene. I think it's paced perfectly. I think it does really interesting, cool reveals there. Um, and yeah, it's it's just it's such a great fun scene to watch. Um, but my, my least favorite scene is basically the entire ending. If I'm going to pin it on one scene, it's just the ending of the kid walking off into the wonderful, glorious city, leaving his mom there. Like, and it's not necessarily that he leaves his mom there or anything like that. That's bothering me. It's, it's just such a lame reveal at that point. It is not nearly as interesting as the mystery that this movie began us with. The answer at the end of the movie is just kind of like, Oh, I guess, I guess that was it. No. Okay. So at, for a score, it's, it's going to be real low. Like, and I feel like I wish I could give a a separate score to the first half of the movie and the the last half of the movie, but, uh, I I can't, so I have to give it what it is. And to me, this movie is like a two out of five. Like it, it really, really sucked at the end of this movie. (laughs) Well, that's appropriate though, because that's a almost, it's just under 50%. Oh, it's, I have to, you're almost saying that like you've done half the movie did well, half the movie did not do well. So it's, it's an appropriate rating. I I should have done a thing. Uh, sorry. I, I would have to give this movie, uh, two weird, strangely architectured buildings, uh, out of five. (laughs) There you go. All right. So my review is actually really similar. So to avoid just repeating a lot of the things you say, I'm just going to try to keep it as concise as I can. Um, and you know, maybe it's the filmmaker in me, maybe it's, just me being snooty. I'm not sure which one, but uh, I, I don't regret watching this movie. I found it very fun to watch. Uh, there were things about it I really did not like, but nothing that really ruined or nuked the experience for me. Having said that, I do think it's definitely held back from being something I would truly call great, but I would call it good. Um, the first half is pretty immaculate for the most part. I would say that if it kept that trajectory, it would be um, upwards of maybe more than a four-star movie. But at this point, you know, it, it, I do agree that it does go down pretty hard. Um, having said that, throughout the whole movie, regardless of what's happening in the story, I think that it's acted and shot beautifully. Um, and I would even say, you know, in terms of like the dialogue that is written is for the most part really great as well. Um, so there were things to really enjoy about the second half that we didn't dive too much into, but I, I mean, there is still a lot of good stuff here. Um, my, uh, my favorite scene, I mean, ah, the, the gas station scene really is super solid. Uh, I definitely think that that's one of the most enjoyable parts of the movie. Uh, for me though, it was that last scene we talked about where he talks to his son about how he likes worrying about him. And I just found that very moving and touching and, Really, I think that's Jeff Nichols' strongest suit is finding the humanity in a very uh, uh, strange place. You know, uh, there's again, I, I keep bringing up mud because despite the fact that it's about a bunch of hillbillies and a backwater town, and this is a science fiction road adventure, there are a lot of similarities and, uh, Mud had a lot of those, was pretty much that from beginning to end. And uh, seeing that here, you know, brought a lot of satisfaction to me and I think really makes the movie something that will stand out. You know, I think that if this sounds remotely appealing to you, you will like it. Um, in the same way you said in Warcraft that fantasy is your bread and butter, sci-fi is sort of mine. I, uh, 
even if it's bad, I'm going to find something that I kind of like about it. <laughs> Unless it's Star Trek. I've just never really gotten into Star Trek very much. I like the movies, but not the TV show. I just, especially if I'm at a party, we all just end up making fun of it because I start <laughs> laughing at it. Uh, sorry, Trekkies. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely think the worst scene in the movie by far is the... There are two worlds. And I, I like the idea <laughs> of what he's doing. But in this movie, it just does not feel like it's what should be happening or the natural change that should occur. Um, it feels like he was on a deadline and had to come up with something to end this movie with. And yeah. Just like, like uh, this is what I got. <laughs> I don't know if maybe, I don't know. I, I faulted on money a lot. But I wonder if like investors are like, oh, this movie's getting too weird. Like make it just... Tell us what it is, and then we got this. You know, I don't know, or maybe he just had a hiccup. But that scene, if it were not there, I would have enjoyed the second half of the movie far more, just on the face of it. So yeah, definitely the worst part of the movie to me. But overall, again, I, I still enjoyed it. If this movie looks interesting to you, if you like this director, I definitely encourage you to go see it. But, you know, if... Uh, maybe turn it off halfway through and then just imagine the ending. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just write maybe. your own ending to it and or, that you prefer. Or just find that once you realize that scene's happening, just hit skip real quick on your Blu-ray and just, <laughs> just ignore it. It's not that important. <laughs> oh, we never talked about the, uh, the scene where he's in the void room. That was really cool, The too. void room. Oh, the void yeah. room. The white room. Oh. Yeah. That was really cool. I really liked that. Uh, whatever. I liked it till it didn't come, up, come to anything. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's fair. Um, but yeah, you know, my overall review is going to also sort of be middle of the road, but a little higher. I'm going to give it three and a half of those weird shaped buildings out of five. Really? That's, that's a C. <laughs> it's not, I mean, again, you Fair. gave it, you basically gave it just a little under 50%. You <laughs> gave it an F. an F. But, uh, you know, I would say that again, like general, no regrets that I watched oh. it. So okay. I found it good. Huh. All right. Um, yeah. So the same things I loved about his other movies are the same things I loved about this. And, you know, I knew what I was getting into going into this. I wasn't, you know, going in completely blind as to what type of filmmaker he was. And so I enjoyed it, you know, I think a bit more than, than, you know, just casual uh, film goers would. I would say uh, my favorite scene was probably the first reveal of his powers. Mm. Cause that's just such oh, that is a good uh, what the, you know, yeah. WTF moment. And, it really kind of pushed through and it drove the rest of the movie. Yeah. And there's so many more questions and, uh, you know, you just kind of let you know, there's a lot more to this kid than you may, you know, than you may think. And there's, there's something much bigger going on here. Mm -hmm. Um, but then on the other side of that, the worst thing was the reveal and maybe not the reveal itself, but when they did it, uh, yeah, that's, of, that's of, of exactly well. the what the explanation was. Hmm. Um, I felt like had they even just waited until he was in that field and the new world's about to appear and then he just explained it and then it happened, I felt like that would have been much better than us slogging through the extra 40 minutes of just like, okay, well, when's he going to get there? Right. Pretty much, you know, what happened in between. I think that was one of the best uh, parts about the movie. It's, it's definitely about the journey, not the destination. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, after that explanation, you're just like, okay, well, can we just get there already? <laughs> you know, because you already know what's happening. So um, because of that, I, I, you know, I would love to give it like a 4, 4.5, um, but I would have to give it like a 3.5 buggy Michael Shannon eyes. <laughs> <laughs> 
but Michael because McShannon. the, the <laughs> yes. you know, it's not a bad movie. The acting and directing are, you know, superb, but just the story, especially <laughs> in the second half, was just, mm, I just can't. Does Jeff Nichols write all of his own material? Yes, he does. Okay, so this was this was a pure him thing. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he just really wanted to do sci-fi, but halfway through he's like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Oh, either way, I'm glad. I'm glad he gave it a shot. I mm-hmm. hope he'll try it again. Maybe he'll make a 1 a.m. special. That's basically <laughs> the same movie, but he does it a little differently. What do you guys think the title is means? I think it's like a B movie throwback. Is it really? Yeah. Well, like, there's isn't a that like a sorry. Well, there's a great movie called Midnight Run, and that's a very much the same kind of a. It's more these two, you know, guys kind okay. of. It's more of a journey than the destination type thing where everything's happening. You know. You're I, thinking like, oh, it's going to be all about, you know, this thing where they end up. But then really the, the growth and story is all just through them right, during right. the journey. It just <laughs> sounded like a really pulpy title. Oh, definitely. But yeah. I also think that, you know, the theme of like the nature of darkness and, you know, the sun like that. That is a theme throughout the first half. And right. even the second half of the movie is sort like, of a play on words. I, I guess. guess. But it just like, you know, nothing happens at midnight. There's, it, it there's, could, some, uh, there's some it, dawn imagery and some dusk imagery. But, you know, it could be really smart or it could be really... <laughs> just lazy and like I don't know they travel around at midnight and there's something special about the kids call it midnight special <laughs> <laughs> to be honest I like a title that's more ambiguous that gives you the idea of the tone of a movie more than I like a title that's like you know you should go watch Mud you might like Mud a little more it doesn't sound like it uh, <laughs> you'll like it <laughs> I, I will put it this way like it doesn't it, have it, any of the problems this movie had like okay. everything you complained about is not mm-hmm. present in Mud okay having said that I didn't like mud as much because I like sci-fi more. <laughs> so yeah. I naturally was more inclined to this. So that's fair. As someone who liked World of Warcraft as much as I did, I, I, can, I can understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, even then, you didn't give it too high of a rating. I didn't, but I. You gave it basically. You were giving me crap, and I gave what you gave World of Warcraft. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I mean, the thing for me yeah, is, yeah, ended there. <laughs> at at the end of the day, like. I wouldn't watch another, like, just based on this movie, I wouldn't watch anything else of the guys. That's And that's the biggest problem for me. Yeah. It is it is unfortunate because I feel like this movie had its most marketing behind it. Hmm. Because yeah. I heard about Mud pretty much exclusively because of my involvement with the Nashville Film Fest two years ago when it was premiering there. Um, and, you know, this movie I'm actually seeing on Facebook, you know, all over social media. People are talking about it. People are raving about it you know but i don't know anyone who saw mud other than the people who were with me at that film festival so uh you know yeah, i can't recall seeing even like a trailer for like take shelter and mud but yeah. i definitely you know i never heard about take shelter until you talked about oh, it yeah. i didn't know he made other movies like i was yeah. like oh, i made mud okay i'm interested he seems like he has some potential up his sleep anyway guys so that's our review of midnight special uh, if it sounds interesting to you, go see it. If you heard what Rick was saying, that sounds like your nightmare. Maybe don't go see it. It is on Blu-ray. Uh, don't try finding it in a red box because we tried that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we will see you on the next one. And I'm back. It's Chris again. I'm just here to let you all know that you're the best. You listened through another episode of Opinionated, and that means a lot to us. If you enjoyed the episode, please consider writing us a positive review on the iTunes store. 
And while you're there, go ahead and leave us a five-star rating as well. It'll just take seconds and it will mean the world to 320-somethings who talk for a hobby. Y'all are the best. Visit our website, opinionatedpodcast.com, or send us an email to opinionatedmoviereviews at gmail.com.